I'd like to invite all the children to come down and join me here for a moment. And if you're worshiping from home or while you're on vacation, just get a little closer to your screens. We're going to talk for just a minute about that amazing story that Miss Alice just read. Come on up. Good morning. Glad to see you all. Hi, hi, hi. Come on up. Welcome, welcome. Have a seat. I want to talk this morning about a couple of things that we can do with our hands. One of the things that I think God wants us to do that Jesus was talking about in this story is to pray. So we can pray with our hands. We do this sometimes to keep our hands still. Sometimes I like to pray like this with my hands open and up to kind of help me listen to God and just rest in God's love. We pray to God to be close to God and to know God. But then we can also use our hands to do things for other people, to share our toys with someone or, or to make some cookies for someone or if we know how to read and write yet, we can write a card or draw a picture for somebody. So let's say, for example, that you're a little worried about your grandpa because he's sick. You can pray for your grandpa, and in praying for your grandpa, you will know that God loves your grandpa and loves you, and that no matter what happens, God will be with you, and God holds all of you. And then you can use your hands to draw a picture for grandpa and to do something to show him how much you love him. So I want us to hold out our hands And let's pray for God to bless our hands as we follow Jesus. Gracious God, help us to pray, to talk to you every day, to share with you everything that is on our hearts, all our thoughts and everything we feel, because we know you'll always love us and always be with us. Help us also to use our hands to help other people, to do things that make a difference in people's lives. So bless our hands as they pray and as they work, and help us to be more loving just like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all for listening. So if you're three, four, or five, you can go with Pastor Maggie and Miss Emily. Are you helping with Children's Church as well? She'll help you get over there. And if you're older than that, you can go back and sit down with parents or friends. We have this morning the parable that many have called the parable of the persistent widow. It's a parable about being persistent in our prayers and in our our work. And so as I thought about the children's message, I thought about talking about how important it is to be persistent. But then I thought that might lead to mom, 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 mom. So having experienced that, I thought I'd go in another direction. But there is something about this parable that I find sort of funny. I don't know if Jesus' audience found it funny particularly, but maybe they did. The way that he portrays these two characters leads to sort of a humorous interaction. First of all, you have this judge who Jesus, the narrator, describes as having no fear of God and no respect for anybody. And then later in the parable, he admits it himself. Even though I have no respect for God or anybody, I'm going to help this lady because she's driving me nuts. Actually, the translation can also go this way. 
I will finally grant her petition. Otherwise, she may come and slap me in the face. We have this persistent woman who has no power in the situation except her boldness and persistence. And she uses that to drive the man crazy until she gets what she's asking for, for justice. And so there is a little something funny and humorous in these characters and in the nature of their interaction. And yet there's a lot about the story that is not funny. The widow's plight is not funny. The scriptures tell us from the Old Testament through the New Testament that the most vulnerable people in society are the widows and the orphans and the immigrants, those who are at the mercy of the kindness of others. A widow in Jesus' day would have been at the mercy of her husband's family or her own family to take her back in after the death of her husband, to provide for her. And if other family members refused to do that, she was destitute. And so we don't know the exact nature of what happened to this widow and what the injustice is or who her opponent is. But we can gather that she has been treated unfairly. There has been an injustice done to her. And so it is through her boldness and her persistence that she finally gets justice. And so as we look at this parable, there are some who say this is, this is a parable about prayer. And there are others who say, no, it's really a parable about justice, the God of justice. And so what I want to do in the brief time we have this morning is to look at this parable from each of those lenses and see what it has to teach us and show us as the people of God. On the one hand, it is a parable about prayer. Luke tells us that. The narrator sets it up that this is a story Jesus told in order to teach people to pray always and not to lose heart, to keep praying and never give up, to be persistent and bold in our prayers. Now, prayer is a great mystery, and, and there's no way that we can begin to delve into that conversation about what is prayer in just a few minutes together. But one of the things I want to highlight here is the fact that this parable points us to the very nature of God. It's easy to read the parable and think that Jesus is saying that God is like this judge. And that it is up to us in our prayers to, to get God's attention, to get God to care, to, to make God work for us. And yet in the end, Jesus says, God is nothing like that. He does this little flip-flop that he does sometimes about how much more than. If, if this guy who had no fear of God and no respect for anybody was eventually able, willing to grant this woman's request because she drove him crazy, how much more does God long for justice and long for healing and long for peace and long for the well-being of all God's children? How much more quickly will God grant Justice to those who cry out for it. So it's important to remember the dynamic of prayer is not us trying to change God's mind or us trying to manipulate God in some way. What I believe deeply about prayer is that the persistence of prayer is all about changing us. You know the old hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. The second line goes, 
Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Tune my heart. Get my heart in tune with your heart, God. As if God's heart, God's nature is a sound wave. And our prayers can help us, though we start off all over the place, bringing to God all that we think and feel and want and desire. Our persistence in prayer can tune our hearts to the heartbeat of God. So that whatever the outcome, because we all know we don't always get exactly what we ask for in prayer, but through persistence, I believe we come deeper into that relationship with God that allows us to trust in the goodness of God and what God wants for us is healing and hope and wholeness and justice. And we can be held in that love and that relationship through persistent prayer. So I believe the persistence in prayer shows a faith that God is good. Jesus is trying to offer his people hope. Remember that God does want justice. God does want our well-being. So keep praying for it and trusting that that is the heart of God. And through prayer, you'll come to remember that and believe it. So there's much that this parable can teach us about prayer. But there are others who say that this is really more of a parable about justice. Though the narrator sets it up as a story about prayer, Jesus doesn't use the word prayer in the parable, but he uses the word justice a lot. The widow keeps knocking on the door of the judge to get justice. She has been treated unfairly. She is at the mercy of others. And Jesus says, how much more will God grant justice to those who cry out for it? And so we can reflect on this practice of boldness and persistence when it comes to seeking God's justice. Justice is a big word, but in my mind it means the, the beautiful truth when all people are treated fairly and equally as God's children when all people have the opportunity to flourish and to thrive, when the kingdom of God is manifest in our midst, it's what we work for and believe in as the people of God. And I can think of some examples of how boldness and persistence have worn down the most hard-hearted of politicians and leaders to bring about change. One that pops to my mind quickly is one that came out of our pilgrimage that we took to Montgomery. Many of you know there was a group from West End and a group from Gordon and Clark Memorial United Methodist Churches in Mount Pisgah, all historically black congregations. And we got on a bus and we went to Anniston and Montgomery and Birmingham to visit some of the sites of the civil rights movement. On the way to Anniston, we heard the story of the Freedom Riders. One of the members of Gordon Memorial who died last year was Dr. Rip Patton. And he was part of this documentary that we watched on the bus that told some of that story. Now, in the early 60s, it was the rule of law, it was federal law, that you could not discriminate by the color of someone's skin on the buses that went between states. So interstate travel, everybody had the right to sit wherever they wanted to. But there were some states who were not abiding by that, who kept to the segregation Jim Crow laws. And so there was a group in Washington, D.C. of activists who thought of the freedom rides, that they would get on the bus together, black and white activists together, and they would ride from D.C. all the way down into Alabama to see what happened. 
When the bus got to Anniston, Alabama, there was an angry mob waiting for them. And they shook the bus and they followed the bus, eventually throwing a bomb into the bus. Thankfully, people were able to get out of the bus and no one died, but there were many injuries. And so the organizers of that movement decided to put a hold on it. It's too dangerous, it's too risky. But there was a group of students here in Nashville, led by Diane Nash and James Lawson and others, John Lewis, who wanted to keep those freedom rides going. And so they organized, the students organized, and they put people on buses here in Nashville and sent them down to Alabama. And those riders would get arrested, put in jail, they'd send down some persistence, bold persistence, just kept sending them down to Alabama, just kept sending them down. And Rip Patton told the story of sitting in the jail. Those who'd been arrested were sitting around together and started singing. Buses are a-coming, oh yes. Buses are a-coming, oh yes. Buses are a-coming, buses are a-coming. And the guards would get angry. They'd say, stop singing. Coming down from Nashville, oh yes. Coming down from Nashville, oh yes. If you keep singing, we're going to take your mattresses away. You can take my mattress, oh yes. You can take my mattress, oh yes. If you don't stop, we're taking your toothbrushes away. You can take my toothbrush, oh yes. They started singing like that with their mouths closed. That holy humor, that bold persistence in the face of injustice. They just kept singing and buses kept coming. And it was through that kind of bold, prayerful persistence that some change happened. I hesitated to use that example in some ways because it was 60 years ago and we have our own struggles for justice in our own day. I also struggle because these are some of the heroes of the faith that get celebrated today and it's easy for us to think, well, I'm not Diane Nash and I'm not John Lewis. But we were talking about this in Bible study and I learned something about one of our church members I didn't know. One of our church members who's an attorney goes to the courthouse every week and spends a few hours helping people who are about to be evicted and they don't have legal counsel. And they walk into that courthouse and it's overwhelming if you've been in the courthouse. They have no one to advocate or stand with them or help them navigate. And he comes alongside them and he helps translate the legal system and he mediates between them and the landlord so that they can have some options and will keep it off their record that they've been evicted so they'll have a better chance next time. I've known him for years and I didn't know he did that. And I know there are so many of you who do that work day in and day out in the schools, in the hospitals, on the streets, working persistently and boldly for God's justice, for God's healing, for the kingdom of God to come upon the earth as it is in heaven. So maybe this parable isn't an either-or parable. Maybe it's about prayer and justice. Prayer that leads us and shapes us into the heart of the God of justice and guides us into action. Before we set the parable down, we can take one more look back at it. And I wonder if 
The character who's most like God in this story is not the judge, but the widow. If it is God who is knocking on the door of our hearts, knocking on the door of humankind, crying out for justice for all, and it is our invitation to open the door and listen and respond 